Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. How many of you packed a shoebox last year? Good, pack another one this year. Uh, They're out in the back. If you go out there to the left, you'll see a table out there. Everything will be great because it's time to do it, baby. It's the season. Thanksgiving is right in front of us. And then after that, we all know it's after that, don't we? Christmas. You know what I did last night? Some of you may know this. On the TV last night, you know what they were playing? Christmas movies. I watched yesterday uh, the Christmas story, a Christmas story, and then um, Elf. Back to back. Did anybody watch it last night? Come on, let's look. We're going to find our closet Christmas people here right now. You can't watch any Christmas stuff till after Thanksgiving. You know what I have to say to that? Humbug. Get your Christmas cheer on. I don't know what your Christmas experience was growing up. Some of you may have had bad Christmases. I don't know. We, as, as an ethnic people, the Greeks, we love Christmas. We are a high holiday people. We celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Easter and it's absolutely amazing. So let me give you a little window into the Greek world when it comes to Christmas. My, uh, my aunts and my, my father, there's three of them, and they passed around this incredible Christmas tradition. We would meet at, at a house. They would move it every year. Biggest house would usually host all of us because us Greeks, we're not just big people. There's a lot of us. And I remember the first time I brought Robin to meet my Greek family. I told her this, true story. I said, now, I said, you may want to bring lip gloss or something or chapstick because the Greeks, we don't just hug, we kiss. Not on the cheek, on the lips. That means this, if you're to visit a true Greek house, you're going to kiss the mom, the dad, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, the pets, the mailman, right on the lips. I said, you're going to kiss 50 my, my wife and her family is not even big into hugging. She goes, I am not kissing anybody. I'm telling you right now, be prepared, baby. She goes to the front doorstep. The first one she meets is my cousin Andy. Andy goes, welcome to the family, right on the lips. She goes, ah! And that's when the assault began. She kissed everybody, even my Aunt Dolly with the little hair thing sticking out of the mole. You know what I'm talking about? Aunt Dolly was great. You know why? She, had, she was a wig girl, so sometimes she was a, she was a blonde, sometimes she was, but that, that mohair was always the same. You could always tell what she was by the mohair. And this is how the Greeks operated. If you came to the family, you, 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 you ate, you never left hungry, and everybody that came to our big Christmas party, everybody, you always left with a gift, whether they were expecting you or not. It was very important to them. That meant that sometimes my Aunt Mimi would run upstairs and she'd wrap stuff that, you know, just laying around the house. You were getting a gift. I think the first year Robin came here, she opened up a pair of tube socks. Because how many of you know it's important that you get something, right? And this was our simple motto. When you come in and you, and you celebrate with us, you become part of the family. You become part of who we are. Um, family is a very, very important thing. Um, it's not just important to us here in the physical world. But do you know that family... Belonging is also important to God. Do you know that when God made you in his own image, he created you in his image, the desire to be in relationship. Why? Because the very nature of God is relational. Let us make man in our image, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, relational. In short, God created us all to belong to something. What does it mean for you and I to belong? If God put this in us to be together, what does it look like for us as a church 
to belong. I mean, does that mean that we just come to church once a week and we high-five each other? When people ask you how you're doing, you go, I'm fine. But you're really not fine. What does it look like? What does it look like for us to belong? If you've got your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Belonging is more than you think it is. Some of you struggle with the church because you don't know how to belong. Some of you struggle in your faith because you don't know what it means to belong. I got good news for you. Today when you leave, you're going to know what it means to belong. This is what Romans 8, 14 through 17 says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him Abba Father. Abba was a a term of endearment, dear father, very intimate, very deep. Verse 16, for a spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Do you know that it's God's heart that you and I become part of his family? Not like, you know, adopted, just people that are on the outskirts. God does not tolerate you. He celebrates you. He loves you. We went to, uh, yesterday we went to UVF to uh, watch Toby. It was the weirdest thing. Toby was playing intramural volleyball, and the men's volleyball coach saw him. He says, dude, you can play volleyball. You can compete in volleyball at the NCAA level. And he's like, there's no way. He said, wait. So we go up there and watch my son. We, I don't even know how to cheer. You ever have to go watch your kid play a sport and you don't even know what to do? You don't even know what to say? Yay! Hit the, the ball off that other person's face very hard. McKenna was sitting in front. I'm like, McKenna, what, what's going on? Thank God. She was like an interpreter for me. It's just so funny. Isn't it funny? You know, sometimes when you think about stuff, you know, so we're there with, and there's parents and all the things. Why did we drive an hour away to watch this kid play volleyball? Because he's part of our family. He belongs. He's a Harris. We love him. We affirm him. Some of you, when it comes to, to being in the household of faith, you don't know what that looks like. You think God, he just tolerates you. He doesn't tolerate you. He celebrates you. He loves you. You are the apple of his eye. So what does it look like? How do you and I become adopted into his family? Did you see the words of that? You're not just adopted into the, you are co-heirs with who? Christ, he is your brother. How do we become that? What does that look like for us? Well, first, it starts here. Belonging begins with being born again. There's only one path to being adopted into God's family. You must be born again. Now, pastor, why do you have to say that? Well, because sometimes we have this mindset that all of us, when we die, we just all go straight to heaven because we're all generally good people. Guys, I wish that were true, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches this. If you want to be part of God's family, there's a door, there's a path, there's a way. You have to be born again. Now, sometimes, even in the household of faith, we think that we can do things on our own and still be okay. It doesn't work that way. Only the ones that are part of the family can set the rules to becoming part of the family. 
I remember when I first decided to ask Robin to marry me. I was given a Davis family application. Her maiden name is Davis. They handed me an application. I had to fill out the application to see if I was worthy enough to date or to ask her to marry me. It's a little awkward. The questions were a little awkward. I'll just say that. You know, it's a, the Davis is a very small clan. That's all I'm going to say because of the application process. You can't just come up with your own stuff and think you're going to be part of the family. You can't fake it till you make it. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. Let me introduce you to, to a friend of mine. You can go to the next slide. This is Don Williams, Jr. Don Williams, Jr. was one of my elders in, uh, at Mosaic Church in, in Denver. Don was a fascinating individual. Let me tell you why. Don had a very uh, checkered past. I'll say that. Don was one of the seven founding members of Bongfest, which in Colorado is about a national holiday. There were seven to start. Last year, they had 30,000 people there. I think he's one of five that are left. And Don, back in his day, I mean, you talk to him now, he's just a redeemed man that loves God with all of his heart, and he uses all of that stuff to bring people to Christ. Back in his day, though, he said, man, he goes, he says, I understood something, and I came up with this concept years ago. He says, if you, if you pretend like you know what you're doing, and you act like you belong somewhere, you can go anywhere. For example, he told me the story one day. One, of him, one, of, one day, one of his buddies and him went to the mall, and they saw in the mall, in one of the stores, a volcano. A big volcano prop. And his buddy said, you know what? That volcano would look great at my house. Now, I don't know what this guy's decor was. I don't know what his motif was. I don't know what he was going for. There's no room in my house a volcano would fit well. So they decided they wanted this volcano. This is a true story. They go back to their house. They get a clipboard, hats, a trailer, and a truck. They pull up to the mall, and they said, we're here from corporate to pick up the volcano. And the manager of the store said, well, if corporate sent you, it must be true. Not only did they get the volcano, the guys helped them load the volcano onto the trailer. The power of a clipboard and a hat. And I said, Don, what did you say? He says, I didn't say anything. The other guy talked. I just looked really official. That guy looked really official. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he talks and he goes, yeah, man, we're here for the volcano. And the funny thing is this, that volcano is still on his buddy's property. Now, you can try to fake it till you make it, but here's the reality. Just because you look the part, just because you sound good when it comes to spiritual things, just because you're great at arguing on Facebook, ooh, doesn't mean you're born again. It doesn't mean your path is going to get you to heaven. It doesn't. If you want to be adopted into God's family, you have to be born again. If you want to be adopted into a spiritual family, you must be born of the Spirit. Our faith is not just an intellectual exercise. Sometimes I fear that our modern Christianity has reduced our faith to an intellectual exercise. And it's not. It's more than just something that hits us here. Our faith starts here in our hearts. Remember Jesus when he was walking on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples and they didn't know who he was? Then he revealed himself after he had risen and they said, 
didn't our hearts burn within us? That's the faith that we have. Your heart should burn within you every time you come into contact with the living God. It's more than just our intellect. God revives. He sets our souls on fire. That's what he does. If you want to belong to the family, you have to be born of the Spirit. Now, there's a great story about this. Jesus encounters a rabbi named Nicodemus. And it's an incredible thing. So Nicodemus was a rabbi. He was a teacher of the Jewish people. And there was something about Jesus that just drew him. I love it. How many of you have seen The Chosen? Have you seen The Chosen movie? I love how I think they captured him well. He was curious, but he also understood who he was. So he was kind of like a secret agent, wannabe follower. So he'd meet with him at night, you know, secret agent, man. He'd you know, get in there, he's quiet, you know, didn't want to do anything. And this is Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. It says this, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Verse 3, Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, what do you mean, exclaimed Jesus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again. This is a point of Scripture that kind of started to turn everything on its ear. When Jesus started to reveal to us plain things about the kingdom that we couldn't understand because we came more from ourself than from the Spirit. So what does this mean? What does it mean to be born again? Well, the hinge of this verse is found in verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What was Jesus talking about when he brought this up? Was he talking just about the two different types of birth? Water meaning the human birth and spirit being the spiritual birth? Maybe. But I think Jesus was framing a question for Nicodemus because of who he was and speaking directly to his heart and his intellect to say, Nicodemus, of all people, you should understand what it means to be born of water and of spirit. How do we know that Jesus expected Nicodemus to understand us? Well, look at John 3.8. He says this. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Verse 9. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you do not understand these things. So when I read that verse, I start to think this way, deductively. Well, he believes that Nicodemus should understand this. So is there any place else in Scripture that God talks about water and spirit. And if he does, where do you find it? Well, this is crazy. He does talk about water and spirit. But where do you find it? I'm glad you asked. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 36. There is something beautiful in Ezekiel that talks about the combination of water and spirit when it interacts with humans. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. Ezekiel, the prophet, it's addressing Israel and talking about how God will restore Israel. 
and what that process looks like. And this is what he says. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols. I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so you will follow my decrees and carefully and to be careful to obey my regulations. So what is the clean water of the spirit that is sprinkled for us at salvation? God washing us clean. The first step, if you want to be born again, you have to be made clean. Well, when are we made clean? This happens when we repent. We ask God to cleanse us and to make us right with him. Without repentance, beloved, you cannot be born again. You can't. Now, here's the beautiful thing about repentance and all the stuff that we do. Even this morning, when you're hanging out with all these beautiful people, do you know this? All of us start in the same place. Doesn't matter who your family is. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter your heritage. We all start in the same place. What is the same place? Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in that camp. All of us. Start from brokenness. We all come from a place that's called not enough. We fall short and we cannot get to God on our own. Beloved, always remember that. Even as you grow in your faith, it's not about you and all the great things that you bring to the table. It's about God. It's always about God. Always. This is why there's no room in our faith for us to look down on people. We all start in the same place. The only thing that makes us different is the grace of God. That is it. Nothing else. So we embrace that. We celebrate that. And when you see people that don't know God, this is how I view them. They're brothers and sisters, just they haven't been awakened yet. It's our job to help to awaken them to the gospel. They're part of the human race. And we know this, that God so loved the world, he gave his best for them. So if God gave them his best, we should give them our best. Amen? So we all find ourselves in that place. We fall short and we can't get to God on our own. We need help. Have you ever needed help before? Have you ever found yourself stuck? I mean, really stuck where you needed help. I'm not talking about you figured out. I'm talking about you needed help. I remember years ago we had um, Hurricane Katrina hit down in Louisiana, and it was bad. I don't know if you guys had a chance to go down there to see the devastation there. It was bad. So we, uh, you know, the assemblies, we sent response teams to help to uh, stabilize the situations. Uh, Samaritan Purse was there. You know, we were part of Convoy of Hope. And then they sent, like, you know, teams down to help to, 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 help to rebuild certain things. And they deployed us, uh, part of our church. We went down to a church in, uh, in Louisiana. There was, we took about 35, 40 people down there. And, um, and we're down there, and they, they set us up, and they put me on a, on a chainsaw team. How cool is that? You know, some people, they hand out water. Some people, you know, this guy, has got, I got a chainsaw. You want to be on a chainsaw? Yes, I want to be on a chainsaw team. And this is my job, to go to houses with these other guys that we would cut trees off of houses. So they get in and they can repair them. That's the coolest job ever. So I'm walking in Louisiana. I got a, 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 a chainsaw running. I'm walking toward a tree on a house. 
from a post-flood area, and all of a sudden, I start to fall. I'm falling in darkness. What I didn't know as I'm walking toward this tree was when the floodwaters came in there, everything underneath, it started to tear up what was underneath. And there sitting right in front of the house was an old septic tank. Exactly. The only thing worse than falling into darkness with a running chainsaw is to falling into darkness with poo at the bottom waiting for you. Ah! Oh! This is the worst part. I fell pretty far. I couldn't get out. So I'm standing in darkness, looking up with a running chainsaw with poo up to my ankles. Have you ever had a bad day? Let me tell you something. I, I, I mean, I was scrubbing that night when I got into the shower. And I, did, I know what to do. Help! Help! And I'm calling for help! And finally, one of the ladies, she looks at me, she's like, Pastor, what are you doing down there? I'm like, I don't know! Can you just help me? Are you okay? Is there anything I can get you? Yes, get me help! This is not time to help, you know. Let's phone a friend. Let's just hang out and talk to the pastor today. So they dropped her up. They pulled me up. It was, it was this craziest thing. Fell down probably about 12 foot. Couldn't get out. Had no desire to. Have you ever needed help before? I mean, really needed help. Guys, that is our story. We need help. So what did God do for us? He sent us his son with an invitation. An invitation that said, listen, I want you to be with me. But if you're going to be with me, this is what that looks like. We have to start with confessing that you're not enough on your own. You have to start with understanding this. If you want to be part of my family, you have to do things my way. You can't come in like that. I have to make you clean. I remember as a kid, every once in a while, we'd go out and we'd play in the rain. And then we'd come inside and be all muddy and nasty. My mom would say, stop. Drop all your clothes right there. Get in the shower. You're not coming into the house like that. You ever had that experience? You need to be clean before you come in here. God makes us clean. Well, how does God make us clean? Confession. We confess, and he forgives us. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So from that verse in Ezekiel, God sprinkles the water on our heart, and he cleanses us, and he makes us clean. And when he makes us clean, what does he make us clean from? Remember? Worshiping idols. Right? You'll no longer worship idols. I know what you think. Well, Pastor TJ, this is not the Old Testament. We don't worship idols anymore. Don't we? What is the definition of an idol? Anything that you put in the place of God. An idol is something that you worship above God. Well, I don't, Pastor TJ, I don't worship other idols. Don't you? What does it constitute? What does worship constitute? Where do you put your money? Where do you put your time? Where do you put your energy? I can tell you this. Five minutes with your checkbook and I can tell you what you worship. I don't want your checkbook. I have no problems with my own checkbook. But you can tell what you worship. Some of you don't even realize what you worship. I want to encourage you. There's a little exercise today. Get on your banking app 
And take a look at your last month's transactions and it'll tell you exactly what you worship. What is your idol? Anything that you put in the place of God. Anything. Beloved, understand this. We are in a constant battle for our heart. You have to constantly check your heart to make sure that your heart is in alignment with God's heart. To make sure that you are idol free. Are you with me? Are you still there? So you're like, Pastor TJ, this is hard. Can you be funny again? Maybe. We'll see. So we repent. We ask God to forgive us. Then something incredible happens. He gives us a new heart and he gives us a new spirit. To do what? To give us the ability to be the people that he created us to be. To give us the ability to follow his decrees, to follow his law. He gives us the ability to be transformed. We don't transform ourselves. It's the spirit inside of us that transforms us, the Holy Spirit. So for us as believers, to be born again, you have to be born of water. What is water? Repentance. That gets you in the door. Then what is spirit? Spirit is transformation. God taking you and making you something new. You need to be both, be born of water and of spirit. It's the spirit that makes us like him. And when that happens, you become part of his family. You become part, you become, you, you wear the moniker, you know, C-O-G, child of God. That's you. Once you experience both. Now here's the reality. Some of you have entered through the door of repentance. You've been sprinkled with the water. But that transformation hasn't taken place. Why? Because you are resisting the Holy Spirit. You're meatloaf Christians. I would do anything for God, but I won't do that. Transformation. No. God wants all of you. He can't just take a piece of you. Some of you are here today and you've never prayed. You've never asked the Lord, given him permission to take control of your life. You've never prayed to to repent for your sins and you've never entered into the relationship of being born again. Today you can. Just bow your heads for a second. If that's you, if you're like, man, Pastor TJ, I don't think I've ever given up the rights to do things my way. Just right now, take a minute and just, just talk to God. Say, Lord, forgive me for all the things that I've done. Forgive me for anything, Lord, that might be breaking your heart. Forgive me, Lord God, for putting things above you. Forgive me for idols, all those things. And Father, would you come into my life and would you help me to be everything that you created me to be? And then tell him, say, Lord, not only do I decide to, to follow you with all my life, but I invite your spirit to come into my life and to make me new, to transform me and help me to be the person you want me to be. Now, beloved, if you prayed that, with a sincere heart, you are born again and you're part of the family. Welcome to the family of God. And it's beautiful. And you celebrate. And you can put your head on a pillow and not decide if you're going to make it or not. The Bible's very clear. If you prayed that prayer, please come see me after service so we can get you connected with somebody. So that's the first step. Once you're born, you can look at me now again. Look at me again. I lost some of you. Golly, I lost like five of you. You're like, this is beautiful. Now, once you're born again, you belong to the family of God, part of God's big family. But there's more. Belonging to God is not just something that happens in your minds independently from anybody else. 
We have this thing in, in the Western world, and I don't understand this, predominantly in the United States and in Europe, where we have this personal thing with God that doesn't need or engage anybody else. Beloved, that is not the true gospel of Christ. It's not. Read the word. It's not. It doesn't talk about that at all. Belonging means this. You also become part of God's physical plan, you know, family on the earth. Belonging to God in God's family is lived out through the body of the church. It's through us. When we belong to Christ, it means that we understand we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. We belong to each other. God designed us to be together, to live together. Why? We're better together than we are apart. These last few years have been really tough because of the pandemic. You know the toughest thing that came with the pandemic? It's not just the physical breakdown of our bodies because of the virus. It's the isolation. We've been isolated from each other. Everything is through the roof. Depression, suicide, anxiety, all those things are through the roof. Why? God created us to need each other and to belong. The enemy tries to divide. God is always bringing us together. God spoke about that, our desire to need each other. Even in the garden, in the context of marriage, he even talked about it. Genesis 2.18 said this, after he created Adam, he says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man that he should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Now, God just doesn't find just our mates. He also put within us the desire to love and to care for each other here in the family of faith. You belong to the family of God. This is what Ephesians 2.19 says. Now you who are not Jewish are not foreigners or strangers any longer, but you're citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. You're like a building that was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in that building. And the whole building is joined together in Christ. He makes it grow and become the holy temple of the Lord. What is the holy temple of the Lord? It's not brick. It's not steel. It's not stone. It's people. You and I are living stones in the house of faith, the church. Family. We're one big, happy, dysfunctional Christian family. Yay! When you think of family, what do you think of? Sometimes when you think of family, those, those aren't good connotations. Some of you don't have any idea what it means to live as part of a healthy family. You just don't. So sometimes you know what we do? We take what we know and we superimpose it on what we don't know. So sometimes we take our dysfunction, we take our brokenness, and we bring it into our present relationships and our present circumstances. Have you ever done that before? You expect the worst because that's all you've encountered before. <clears throat> I remember years ago, um, again, part of the Greek family, um, I had some family that lived up by Lake Erie, so every year they would go salmon fishing, and they'd get the salmon, and how many of you like salmon? So you get these delicious fish, and what my family would do is they would not cook the delicious fish like they should be cooked, but they made these things called salmon balls. You ever had salmon balls? They're meatballs, but made with salmon meat, and not made with love, care, or goodness at all. So they'd put them in a crock pot, and they'd always have them at our Greek functions. 
who wants salmon balls? I said, I don't want salmon balls. My mom and dad would always make me eat one salmon ball because my Aunt Chris went to all the trouble to make the salmon balls. And I had one salmon ball for Christmas and one for Easter my entire life growing up because my parents made me eat it, which made me think this, I hate salmon because I thought that they only came in ball form. So lo and behold, it's probably a year or two ago now, we're at the Periscavage house. They invite us over for dinner, and they're like, guys, we have good news. We're making salmon. And I'm like, ah, salmon. Because in my head, I have salmon balls. So I, I'm being nice, and I eat whatever. So I get some, mm, this looks really good. I'm like, ah. And I take the first bite, and it's really good. And then Robin ate it, and she eats nothing. And she was sucking that salmon down. And it occurred to me, I've stayed away from salmon all these years because I had a bad experience with my Aunt Chris's salmon balls. But just because you have a bad experience at one point doesn't mean that that experience has to carry through your entire life. Some of you have got to let go of the past. And just because you had a bad experience at another house of worship, or growing up, or even understanding what family looks like. You need to let it go, beloved. You cannot embrace the new things that God has for you until you're willing to let go of the old stuff. Don't bring with you the old brokenness. Just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean you can't have a good one. So what does a healthy church look like? What is our relational connection supposed to look like? How did God set this up? What does it look like? Here are some things that you should expect as you're part of the family of God here at Trinity Community Church. First, a healthy church loves one another. Our center, our foundation, everything we do is from a place of love. Everything. And I, when I say love, I know love's a murky concept, you know. All you need is love. I never say, oh yeah. No, I'm talking about the love that God defines and establishes. It all comes from that. Even our biblical truth is rooted in love. Why? Because when God described himself, he described himself with one word, love. So in our church, we love one another. Romans 12, 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection or sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You should love each other. Don't tolerate each other. Don't despise each other. Don't avoid each other. Love each other. That also means this. If you've got a problem with somebody, be a big girl, be a big boy. Sit down with them. I would recommend perhaps a coffee and, and, and a piece of cake at the well and fix it. Believers fix things. We don't ignore them. We fix them. Right? Second, we encourage and we build each other up. We don't tear each other down. We don't destroy each other. We don't look for chinks in other people's armor. We don't look for their brokenness to help them. We build them up and we lift them up. That's what we do. How many of you know that all of us have brokenness? And we don't ignore it, but I can tell you this right now. If you're going to address somebody's brokenness, it better be from a place of love. And you better have a relationship from them. We don't have these drive-by let me show you what's bad with you, and then we just fly back off again. We don't do that. That's not the house of faith. We build each other up. We encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're doing. Third, 
We forgive each other. I just, can I get something off my chest real quick? I would just, just, there's only like maybe 300 of us here. I am going to fail you. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to disappoint you. Please do not allow my humanness to give you an excuse just to go to another church. It's the reality of life. I remember one time I was, I, was, I was at our church. I was getting ready to close up on the weekend. It wasn't here, it was in Denver. There's a banging at the door. I go down to the door, and there's a gentleman standing down the door. And I said, hey, can I help you? He says, you could have helped me, but you, but you, you really failed me. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? I don't even know who you are. He says, I know. He says, I called the church this week. He says, my mother was dying, and I needed somebody here from the church to go and to pray with her because she didn't know who Christ was. She goes, you didn't pick up the phone. You didn't go to the hospital. She died. She's in eternity in hell because you didn't pick up your phone. As I'm standing down there on these glass doors, one of our worship ladies, Jade, is up the top of the steps. And he says, I hope, he goes, I hope you sleep well knowing that somebody died and is never going to see Jesus because of you. And he just left. And I just, it just hit me like, a, like, a, like a, a torpedo. I remember Jade going, TJ, don't you take that in? I said, it's... It's too late. I know it's not healthy things to carry. But understand this, beloved. We're going to let each other down. You need to have a mechanism in your heart and in your life to forgive. You have to. That's what makes us different in the world. Not the music we listen to. Not how we dress. Now, you need all that stuff. What makes us different is how we respond. Just because somebody's mean to you does not give you the right to be mean to them. We need to be unoffendable, completely, completely forgiving. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Fourth, we need to bear one another's burdens. People mess up, we don't throw them away. We don't throw people away. We pick them up. And we carry them. When they can't take any more steps, that's fine. I can't, you know, I can't carry all your stuff, but I can carry you. Let's go. Let's figure this out. We don't pray gossip. We pick people up and we love them and we do what we need to do to get them in to the kingdom and to get them into right standing. Why? Because you have no idea if that could happen to you next. The Bible says this. The judgment that you use, the way you judge others will be used against you. Do you know that? If you're a person of grace, you will reap grace. If you're a person of judgment, you know what you'll reap? Judgment. So we, we lift each other up. We bear one another's burdens. Galatians 2, 6, 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Five, a healthy church puts others first. We're not selfish. We're selfless. We do everything we can to outserve each other, to outlove each other. We don't come in with expectations of how, you know, what can I get from the church? We come into the kingdom saying, Lord, I know that you made me a piece. Lord, if you made me an ear in the church, let me be the best ear I can be. God made you the, the big toe on the left foot. You be the best big toe you can be. There's a different mindset. We're not, we're not Costco. We're not Target. That's the fancy version of Target in case you didn't know. That's the bougie version of Target. We don't, we don't, we're not consumers. We pour into the church. That's what we do. 
So for us, we put others first. It's not just about getting all my needs met. It's about, Lord, what can I do for your kingdom? How can I serve? What can I do? Philippians 2.3 says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We've got to be careful too, beloved. Don't put people in categories. Mm. Greater and lesser. Spiritual giants and spiritual babies, don't do that. Don't do that. When God sees us, he doesn't see that. He sees his children. And all of us are in process. Right? Are you with me? Right? My dad, just to mess with people all the time. <laughs> God bless his heart. But he was prickly. He would always introduce himself. He'd say, I am Tom Harris, and I'm a spiritual giant. And people would go, oh, oh. Just to see what they would do. And then every once in a while, people would say, well, I am also a spiritual giant. And they were totally serious. My dad would go, there's one right there. I said, Dad, stop. Don't be mean, right? A healthy church makes meeting together a priority. You have to come together. We're not an accessory. The church is an entree. We're not an appetizer. We're a mainstay. And families, understand this. Please be careful. And hear my words. Hear love through my, my words here. What we prioritize, our children will prioritize. What we put first, our kids will put first. For us, if coming to church is optional, being part of the family is optional, if it's optional for you now, it'll be irrelevant for your children. They won't need it. So Barna did this study. This is crazy. He's the guy that does all the weird studies. And it came out that in the church world, you know, the church is in severe decline as far as attendance and all these things. They don't know what to do. And then Barna made this discovery. The church numbers aren't as bad as you think they are. It's just that people are going to church less frequently. So before you had people that go to church every week, and that was great. Now our regular attendee comes to church three times a month. Two and a half times, actually. Don't forsake meeting together. And you ready for this? This is going to be crazy. It has nothing to do with your money. It's your heart. You may notice here, we don't take an offering. Do you know why? God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. He wants your heart. And when we give, we tithe and we give offerings, and that's part of the obedience that we do as believers. That's more than us just passing a plate. That's a heart condition. We could pass a plate every week and, and see our, our, our numbers grow when it comes to giving, but that's not the point, is it? What's the point? He wants your heart. That's what we do. We're strong believers. We come together. Come together. Make church a priority. Don't make it an accessory. Hebrews 10.24 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing even, even nearer. Seven, we live sacrificially. What does it mean to live sacrificially? That means that, again, it's not just about us. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. Now, I got to tell you this. Um, well, real quick. Before the, John 15, 13 says this. There's no greater love than for, uh, uh, to, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's, just not, that's not just talking about death. That's also talking about, are you willing to live your life for somebody? Now, I got to tell you this. Um, TCC, last weekend, we practically did this. 
We lived sacrificially. If you can go to the next slide. Maybe. Is there a picture in the next slide? There it is. This was the first session Family Fest work team. You know what that means? There was another session that came in behind them that also served in the four to six slot. How many of you could think of about 400 other things that you could have done on a Saturday than deal with hyped up children and candy and, and all the other things? But, but you didn't. You know what you did? You, you sowed into the kingdom and you loved on children and people that you don't even know. Why? Because there's no greater love than this, that a man lays down his life for his friend. These are people you don't even know yet. And there are people that are in our church now. You've come here the second week. You were here last week. And your first contact with us at Trinity was at that event. And here you are again. And you know what brought you in? Love. Sacrificial love. Well done. You did well. This is what healthy churches do. We love sacrificially. By the way, when you look at things sacrificially, you know what that means? You look at the outside before you look at the inside. When a church turns inward is when she starts to die and get weird. That's why at Trinity, we have a foot. What are the two things we're passionate about? We're passionate about pursuing God's presence and we're passionate about what? The lost. Why? Because lost people matter to God and they matter to us. The second we lose one of those focuses, shut the doors. Shut the doors. That's why we dump the tank. You're going to see crazy stuff coming up for December. It's, I'm already exhausted just looking at it. Why? Because we love the lost. We're doing a thing on Saturday nights called Saturday Night Lights from 6 to 8. Every Saturday in December, we've got big lights in this place. By the way, everybody look at me. I got like four calls about those trees out there. Pastor, we cannot plant trees in the front of the church. We're not. I don't know if you notice, there's a few of those trees are on concrete. We're not planting trees in the concrete. <laughs> They're there for decoration for the holidays, and then we're going to plant them in the back property. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Pastor's right in front of the church. I know! <laughs> so Saturday Night Lights, we're going to light up the front of the church. We're going to have... A sleigh out there. It's going to be beautiful. We've got inflatable. It's going to be great. And then the church is going to be open. We're going to have cocoa stations and cookie creation stations. And it's going to be a great time for our community to come and experience the church, God's presence that hangs out here from six to eight every week for free. Why? Because we live sacrificially. It's what we do. Our Christmas Eve service, we have three. Three, because we need it. We almost packed them out last year. A one, a three, and a five. I can think of about 150 other things I would love to do with my Christmas Eve. But we're going to do that. Why? Because Christmas Eve is the second highest attended church day of the year. Right behind Easter. So we dumped the tank. We're going to have probably about 100 volunteers when it comes to all the different teams and stuff that we do. Participate in those services. Why? It's an opportunity to put a seed of the gospel into somebody's heart. That's sacrificial living. That's what we do as a church. Beloved, healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. Look around. You are a part of what God's doing here. So I want to encourage you today. You're born again. You belong because of that. So here's your simple mission. 
Find as many people as you can that aren't born again and bring the gospel to them, either personally or bring them here. The second part of it is this. You belong to a greater family than just your last name. You belong to us now. Do you know your family? I'm gonna, we're going to do something bananas. You ready for this? Bananas, you ready? When service is over, I want you to stand up. I want you to look around. I want you to find two people that catch your eye. I want you to go up to them. I want you to exchange information with them. To get in contact with them, with them this week, within the month, have coffee, meet with them, do something. Get to know your family. And don't all you come up to me. Pastor, you caught my eye. I know, I'm standing on the stage. <laughs> I can only eat so much. I feel like Santa with the cookies. <laughs> Bow your heads. We're going to finish up with a quick communion. Ty's coming to the stage now. Because I can't think of sacrificial living better demonstrated than the love of Christ and Pastor Trish is going to release us. In the meantime, I just want you to just take a minute with the Holy Spirit. And just make this prayer. Pray, Spirit, will you show me what it means to belong? And listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.